Much like the Curb Your Enthusiasm TV series, the Curb Our Enthusiasm podcast deals with adult subjects and contains explicit language. Jaya. Jaya. Hello, and welcome to the Curb Our Enthusiasm podcast, episode 3, Porno Gill. It aired October 29th, 2000. And now, time for a stop and chat. And we'll try to curb our enthusiasm. On this episode, I suggested that Ray not watch some of the key scenes. We thought it'd be fun, and we may do this from time to time. You'll hear Ray's surprise as the episode unfolds and wraps. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go, the Curb Art Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm Jeremy Fleming, and with me is Ray Rivera. As always. And we have the Curb Your Enthusiasm, Season 1, Episode 3, Porno Gill. This is going to be funny. <laughs> yes, it is. Scene 1, Golf Driving Range. Curb theme starts. We have a close-up of a golf ball on a tee that soon meets a golf club. It's Larry holding that driving club. A guy walks up. He's setting up to practice as well. He's got a bucket of balls, and as he sets the bucket down, one golf ball rolls towards Larry. Larry notices this, but then he sees the guy is wearing one of those straw hats. He then focuses on the drawstring of that hat, and the guy's got that drawstring drawn tight. That hat is not going anywhere. So, Ray, do you have any hats like this, and if not, would you ever wear a hat like this? I would not wear a hat like that, and I'll tell you why. It just doesn't look cool. A strap running your chin, for some reason, holding your hat on makes you look like an idiot. And I'm sure people do it, and I'm not judging <laughs> at all. I'm just saying it takes away the coolness factor of the actual hat. Like, if you have a, a fedora on, and there's a string holding on to your chin, your mafia gangster profile <laughs> just went down like 200 points. <laughs> That's really funny to picture. I would wear a hat like this, especially if I could get a laugh out of it. Let's say you might meet to a barbecue. I don't want to get burnt. I'd wear this hat and I'd act like I wear it all the time. Embarrass you in front of your family. I don't get sunburned. And bonus, I get a laugh out of it. You would do that. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so scene one continued. As the guy sets down the bucket of balls, one ball bounces out towards Larry, stopping about halfway between them. Their eyes meet. And the guy seems to be waiting for Larry to pick up this ball for him. He makes this expression with his face as if to say, come on, buddy. You going to get that? Larry turns away and continues where he left off. The guy is all put out over this and bends down to get the ball, and it's obvious he's not happy about it. So, Ray, do you pick up this ball? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is one of those funny things because I think you should do the gesture of picking up the ball. Does that make sense? Like, you see the ball, you turn, and you go, oh, there's a ball there. And both of you, proper ball-fetching etiquette is both of you go to get it. <laughs> Now, and one guy's going to go, oh, thanks, man. Like, you know, like, oh, oh, I got it. You know, almost like in a baseball field when you say, I got it. Yeah. Like, you both should be going for it. Yeah, I got it. One of you should say that. I say, no way. Pick up your own damn ball. <laughs> I'd meet him halfway. Kick it towards him. I guess you and Larry David agree on this point, and that is awesome. Well, at least I'm kicking it towards them. Yeah, I guess you, you know, that is also a good gesture. 
Because, you know, Larry, he just goes back to... That might know. be worse if you kick it in. It's like you're kicking him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hold a door for someone to a point. Right. Know. Or kick it closed, I guess. Kick it closed. I'll kick it. Kick it open a little longer for him. I guess, yeah, I guess if it's a hot, a hot chick, you would put your foot there if you were about to show like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, if this was a girl, Larry would have got that ball. <laughs> You're that. absolutely right. Any any one of us. <laughs> so scene two. Larry and Cheryl are at home. And Larry's in the middle of telling Cheryl about what happened at the driving range. And Cheryl asks, was the ball closer to him or you? And Larry, very good question. I think it was maybe a little closer to him. Cheryl. But you couldn't just be polite and reach down to get the ball? Larry replies, I could have same hat, no string, no question I reached down and pick up that ball. I see certain items and I recoil in horror. Cheryl asks, concerned. Oh, hey, how's Jeff? Larry, he might have to have a bypass surgery. Can you believe that? Cheryl, no. I thought he was going in for a test. Larry, went in, they wouldn't let him out. Cheryl says, that's kind of scary. And Larry says, it'll be fine. Cheryl tells Larry to tell him she said hi and to give him her best. She adds, and John DeBellis called Larry. I forgot to call him back. Larry gets the home phone and as he's looking at a notebook, he dials a number. Hello? It's Larry. Oh, how are you, Gil? Oh, you sounded like my friend John. I just called to say hello. Saturday night? I need directions. Just fax them. So now they have been invited to a party. It was Gil Thielander from the golf club. Cheryl asks, who's this Gil guy? Larry says, he used to be a porn actor a few years ago. Cheryl says, no, I, I don't want to go to a porn party. And Larry replies defensively, it's not a porn party. <laughs> He has a plan, and and Larry, what happened was Larry dialed the wrong number. Yes. He he didn't have the right number in the notepad, and so he just pretended like, oh yeah, yeah, you just sounded like my friend John, but yeah, I was calling you to say oh, hi. He didn't want to be embarrassed dialing the wrong number. Yeah, so that was ah, kind of smooth. Okay. So he's got a plan. You know, he's getting defensive about it's not a porn party. You know, he and and here's his plan. He tells Cheryl. They'll go to the dinner before the party, and then they'll go to the party, go in, be out in there in like five, ten minutes. Cheryl agrees in silence, but she does not look too thrilled about this. So Ray, Larry's move, it was smooth, pretending he called just to say hi, but now he's roped into a party. He knows Cheryl doesn't want to go. What do you think of Larry's plan to just say hello and then go, you know, get out of there in under ten minutes? That never works. I have tried to do that so many times. Like, I'm just going to be in there for a second. Wrong. Wrong. You are <laughs> yeah. never at a party for just a second. It has never happened. So anytime I get invited to somewhere where I don't want to go, I just don't go now. <laughs> it's not a great plan. No. And no, it's like, terrible. like us, you know, you, you guys, you don't have kids. I don't have kids. Larry and Cher don't have kids. When you have kids, you can, kid got sick, babysitter fell through. You know, you have all these great excuses. Great excuses. Because no one's going to argue if your kid's sick. Whether yeah. you say, oh, leave your sick kid and come out. Like, mm -hmm. now, you, now you sound like a dick. Yeah. And you can't, it doesn't work with pets. You can't say, well, one of my pets has a tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it. No one buys it. <laughs> like, how would you know your pet got a tummy ache? I guess. You know, uh, you, know you don't want to go into that. <laughs> right. Just trust me. You don't want to know. So I have a friend that did this. And it was to meet at a restaurant. I didn't want to go, so I just went MIA for a while. And this friend of mine, he shows up at the restaurant and says hello and tells them he can't stay. But he wanted to say hello. 
He's out of there in five minutes. He tells me this story that night, and he's very proud of himself. I asked why he bothered the show at all, and he says, because I want to have the option to be invited to the next thing. Maybe I'll want to go. That's clever. And I think he did get invited um, to other events. I, however, have not. <laughs> so I guess I blew that bridge sky high, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> so scene three, Larry visits Jeff at the hospital. Jeff is lying in bed, and Jeff explains to Larry that his test results showed he has a blockage, and if he doesn't get it cleaned out, he's going to have a heart attack. Jeff tells Larry he needs him to do a favor. Jeff. Sunday, they're doing the procedure, okay? Susie will be here all day Sunday. She will not be leaving here. The key's in the drawer there. Grab them. I want to show you something. Just trust me on this for a second. Get the keys. They should be right in the drawer there. Larry gets the keys. Jeff. This key right here. Larry looks concerned. Says, mysterious. Jeff. Very mysterious. The key right here to my front door. I need you to go into my house. Go up to my bedroom to the left of the TV. There's a cabinet by the bookcase there. Open it up. Move the linens. Move them to the side. Push on the back door and it'll open up. Inside there, I have my porn collection. <laughs> I have seven, eight porn tapes. A couple of magazines, all right? I need you to get them out of there. You got to get them out of there. Because if something happens to me, Larry, you're thinking the anesthesia, if something goes wrong, Jeff. Anything goes wrong, she's not a big porn person. Larry, you, you don't want your wife to discover your porn stuff. Jeff, she doesn't understand that. I'm not embarrassed. And Larry says he doesn't understand it either. And Jeff replies, that's your own deal, Repression Jones. And Repression Jones is referring to a theory by Ernest Jones, the theory of repression and its relation to memory. So I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. Jeff continues, that's your own deal. Larry, is there an alarm code or anything like that? Jeff, easy, 99.88. Larry says he better write that down. So he writes it on a pad of paper that was in the room. Larry, 99.88, okay. Jeff, I can't believe you have to write that down. Larry asks, what am I to do with these things? And Jeff tells Larry to keep it in his trunk. Larry, what if I get an accident on the way home? What about that? There's porn. The porn flies everywhere, strewn all over the car, all over my bleeding body. I'm worried about the alarm code. Jeff, nothing's going to happen. Larry, I'm no good with stuff like that. It's too technical for me. The alarm's going to go off. There'll be a SWAT team descending on me. This whole thing has disaster written all over it. Jeff, it'll be fine. Trust me. Larry, your wife better not show up. Jeff reassures Larry, guarantee she's not going to be there. She'll be here. I appreciate it. You're a great pal. Larry, good luck. Try not to die. Jeff repeats, try not to die. Thank you. So questions. Oh my gosh. Ray, do you do this favor? Let's say I'm in the hospital. I mean, you have a friend in the hospital. <laughs> right, right. They may die. You have to do the, this favor, right? Yes. As bro code demands, you must do this. Just like even if you're in a car, a car accident and your phone's on the floor, you're going to bust that thing in half. It's just going to happen. It's just like a, you, you have to do that because no one can see all the stuff that you look at on, on your phone or computers or VHS tapes, any of that stuff. There, every guy should have a protocol of how to get rid of this stuff if something emergency happens. You definitely have to, to do this. Yes. Thing. Yeah. All good points. I agree. I have done something like this before for a friend. 
I, I have. I have a friend that when we were teenagers, he said, you got to do me a favor. And he's at home. I'm at home. He gives me a call up. He's a teenager. You know, we're not, we're close in age. And he's living with his parents and they're going to be going out for dinner the next, the following evening. And he's asking me to do this favor. And th- this was years before Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he says, my parents are going out to dinner and no one will be in the house. I need you to come in the house. And I'm getting nervous, just like Larry. I'm thinking, where's this heading? And he says he has a garage code for me to get in. He says, go in the living room first. Much like Jeff tells Larry, he's telling me where to get the keyboard for the computer. He said his mom took his keyboard away. She used to take his mouse away, but then he found, um, she discovered that he got really good at operating the computer without a mouse. So he says, retrieve the keyboard. Go upstairs into my bedroom and boot my computer up. He says, write this down. And he gives me directions to where a computer directory um, folder is. And he, and he says, you know, Ray, should I be telling this story? Yes. Well, the statute of limitations has passed. Right. It's so way, if, if, if there was a crime, allegedly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a moot point. So continuing, he says, and delete that folder. And he says, whatever you do, don't. And I mean, don't look in that folder. Oh my gosh. And there's just silence between that us. That is amazing. Just silence on the phone. And I can only imagine my face at the time. <laughs> then he says these two words, plausible deniability. And I said, okay. That, that was enough for you to go, I'll do it. I wasn't really sure. I just said, okay to him. I wasn't sure if I was going to do it yet, but I, th- I felt I needed to. I yeah. thought, and it was kind of cool. I thought, I'll have a story to tell over this. That's actually really awesome that you, that you did it then, even just for story purposes only. Well, I, at the time, that's what I thought. I'm not going to say whether I did it or not just yet. I'll finish the story later in the show, and I'll tell you if I did this favor or not. But I only had until the next night to figure this out. Okay? So scene four. Larry and Cheryl are trying to find Porno Gil's house, but they are lost. So it's the night of the party, and they, they had their dinner, and they're driving these back roads, these back curvy roads. They can't make sense of the directions. They see someone walking. It's an older lady. And the music's kind of a little, you know, it's building up here. You know, this could be, because you don't know it's an old lady yet. You know, so they, it's really good music to set the mood. So they, they stop and ask her for help. And she's of no help. It's obvious she can't help them. She's more confused than them. Larry's looking for Jake's way. She says, I never heard of Jake's way. Then she calls it Jack's way. She starts going back on the directions. This is Miller. Well, you're on Miller now. And Larry is now more frustrated and says, thank you. Thank you. You've been very helpful. Can I have my directions back? And she won't give them back. She finally tells him off and tears up the directions into pieces and throws them up in the air, storms off. Ray, do you run this lady over? Yes, because no one knows she's outside that late at night. There's obviously torn paper everywhere. So maybe when the cops see her lifeless body on the side of the street, they're like, well, she obviously did something to make someone mad. And Larry doesn't live in that neighborhood, so it'd be really hard for the cops to find him. And cops, case closed. Just, yep, you know. Cold case files. (laughs) Yeah. And this 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 curb episode would take a really dark turn at that point. Yes. <laughs> but he would have to make sure she was dead though. That's the problem. Yeah. Like you'd have to hit her hard enough to where you know. Right. Or, or get out of the car and check. And if people are see you're taking on dead but I mean it's gonna spiral off the crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're gonna, it's gonna be a three parter. So scene five. 
Larry and Cheryl still lost. Now Larry's getting closer to being in the doghouse with Cheryl. It's not, not good. Now they're bickering in the car, driving around lost for half an hour now. They see a car approaching and Larry says, gonna flag them down. And lo and behold, it's the guy with the hat. And Larry tells the guy his back was hurting and that's why he didn't pick up the ball. Larry, my God, you must have thought I was such an asshole. The hat guy, Brian. I didn't know why you wouldn't help me out. What kind of prick doesn't pick up somebody's ball? I thought you could help out, but I understand. Larry, I would have picked up that ball if I could bend down. Brian, it's your back, right? Sure, I understand. Larry, I'm sorry. I apologize. Turns out Brian knows Gil and is heading to the party. Larry asks if he can follow him. Brian, should you go to the party with your back, you know? Can you bend over with your back? And Larry says, yeah. And Brian, well, maybe you should bend over and kiss my ass. Maybe next time you'll remember to pick up the fucking golf ball. Oh. Ray, do you run this guy? No, I'm kidding. Do you try to follow, <laughs> do you try to follow this guy? Um, I'd be ready to go back home by now. Yeah, I would have already bailed as soon as I couldn't find it, especially if the wife's mad. If the wife's mad, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't know this Gil guy that that well. It's it's he doesn't want to. He wants to make everyone happy, but you know that you can't do that unless he wants to really see if this is a porn party or not. That could be. <laughs> that could be. Maybe he's more a little interested in this. Yep. Larry looks defeated. He slowly heads back to the car. Gets in. Cheryl asks, "How did it go?" Larry says. Good. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. This is the first pretty, pretty good we hear in the series, and this one means quite the opposite. Later, it seems like if he says it, he's really happy. So I guess we'll find out as we go on. Mobile phone rings. Remember, it's not a smartphone. And it's Gil. Thank goodness. Looks like they're going to make, make it to this party after all. Scene six, the party. Gil is played by Bob Odenkirk. Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, he is Saul, great character actor, even before these hits, these huge hits he's in. Uh, I just, I like him. He's on Everybody Loves Raymond as a guest star. He's just always really good. And now he's Porno Gill. Larry and Cheryl arrive at the party. They're surprised there's so few cars in the driveway. Since it's a party, you know, they, you know, huh? Hey, where's all the cars? Uh-oh. So Gil forgot to mention that Miller turns into Jake's way and there's no sign for Jake's way. Ray, how often have you experienced this? Road, road turns into another with no sign. I mean, how many stars are there in the sky, right? Exactly. I mean, this is this is one of those cases where I'm so glad every phone in car has GPS now. Yeah. Because that mistake doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah, like, and it's not 100%, especially these old back roads, but in, in, in this year, you know, this is, like, I think, year 2000, 2001, it's, it's a lot more difficult then. Right. They need directions to get back, too, so that'll come up, and you'll see some of these directions, you know, it's like, to make a left at the barn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the old-fashioned way how yeah. everyone used to do it. Yeah. Scene seven, Gil greets Larry and Cheryl at the door, asks to take their coats. Larry says he'll keep his on. He asks that they remove their shoes, a custom that his wife started. Larry asks if he can keep his on. They're clean. He should, hey, they're clean. Gil replies, it's not really about that, but gives in and says, okay. As Gil hangs up Cheryl's coat, Cheryl and Larry realize that this is a dinner party. This explains why there were so few cars oh, wow. parked. Yeah. So this has totally changed on them. Yeah. Gil returns from hanging their coats up. And Cheryl and Larry compliment the nice home he has. Gil says his wife refers to it as the house that come built because of his porno days. (laughs) 
He says he didn't make enough money from that to buy a house. It's mostly from real estate sales. Gil introduces the Davids to the guests. Gil's wife, Melanie, notices Larry's wearing shoes against her custom. They all sit down at the dinner party. She asks Gil about this. Larry shows up on an hour late to the dinner party and he didn't remove his shoes. Melanie is clearly annoyed. Did you tell him about the house rules? She asks. Gil says, I think he thought I was joking. Don't bust my balls about this. Larry confesses lies. They eat some chips on the carb, says uh, he'll have some mango chutney. What's in that? Gil says there's a little bit of jalapeno and a little bit of Tabasco. Now the guests suddenly want to tell, have him tell a porn story. His wife acts embarrassed, but seems to be enjoying the story. Ray, remove your shoes or not. I have to say, if anyone who's asked me to remove my shoes, I would have. I, I do respect other people's homes, and that's like one thing I can say that I, I do. Especially, you know, who knows if they're clean freaks or if they have super expensive floors or who the heck knows. I would have taken off my shoes, especially since I was an hour late. I probably would have done basically anything if I was yeah. an hour late. That's Right. I would, I'd probably remove my shoes too, but is it a custom? I mean, he acts like it's not, it's not about, you know, the cleanliness of it, which I always assume that's usually what it is. And do you have house rules? I, I actually don't because thankfully in my house, it's all tile. So it doesn't really, really matter if you have your shoes on or not. But, uh, you know, I can honestly say I don't, I probably should. So I mean, what do you do? You sit down and okay, here's our house rules and you write them up. <laughs> right. There's a plaque on the side on the, on the foyer there. Please read these and, and, and acknowledge. Sign. Yes. Initial here, <laughs> sign here get it notarized. Right. And so... <laughs> It's these unspoken house rules, and I would be interested to hear people's house rules. So email us your house rules if you have any, and we'll, we'll definitely bring them up on a later show. Yes. Uh, Gil, can I tell a porn story? She's heard every one of them. You know that. You know what Tabasco's good for? Keep you hard. Ugh. Only you got to stick it up your ass. I'll tell you how I found out about that. Oh, my gosh. I was doing a scene, and it was supposed to be a two-girl scene, right? Gil asks Cheryl, do you mind if I tell? And Cheryl says, it's your house, Gil. These guys have heard half these stories. I'm doing this scene, supposedly with two girls, and I keep waiting for the other girl to show up. I'm fucking this girl for three hours, pounding for hours and hours. (laughs) Then suddenly after a couple hours, it feels like some chick's teabagging me, right? And Melanie, Gil's wife. You should fill her in on teabagging, referring to Cheryl. Gil continues, when a woman sucks your balls, she's teabagging you. Or a man. But so I feel that, and I think, that other girl showing up. Then I feel her fingers on my balls, and I'm not even looking. I'm just so, I'm, I'm half asleep. But it turns out, it's not the girl. It is the biggest crew guy we got. He's playing with my balls. My wood starts going down, and I haven't even shot yet. And I go, I'm going down. And this guy goes, I'll take care of it. He runs over to the craft service table. He comes back. His finger is red. Sticks it up my ass. Tabasco sauce. Ow! Oh my I gosh. stayed hard for another two hours because all the blood just goes. Oh, and, the, and his wife says, I keep begging him to let us use it. Oh, my God. And he says, I was renowned for being able to stay hard for hours. That's what I could do. I wasn't the biggest, all right, but I could stay hard the longest. So Which, everyone thinks this. <laughs> that's what it's all about, ladies. <laughs> So everyone thinks the story is great except Larry and Cheryl and myself. Not exactly something I'd want to hear during a dinner. What are they eating? Do you know what they're eating? 
Oh, it's just all kinds of food. Oh my gosh. I mean, one of the things has Tabasco sauce in it. Oh my gosh. So one of the guests, I mean, they weren't, I don't think they were eating hot dogs or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. one of the guests, the personal trainer, asked about Larry's watch. And Larry says it was an anniversary gift from Cheryl. And the trainer asked to see it. Larry hands it to him. Ray, are you familiar with this Tabasco technique? I am not familiar with this Tabasco technique. In fact, this is the first time I've ever heard about that if you reviewing this show. And I can't imagine the picture in my head, someone running towards you with a red finger and just jams it up there. I don't, it doesn't compute. I can't do it. I'm over here trying to hold all my laughter in because I want to interrupt interrupted through this whole thing, but I can't stop. I can't even. <laughs> but Bray, how does one discover this trick? I mean, oh is it like God. Reese cups, you know, peanut butter, you know? Obviously the guy. Peanut butter was... and chocolate. <laughs> obviously the guy who was playing with his balls obviously has a lot of experience. Because if he's going to go down there and play with some dude's balls, he's obviously <laughs> probably gay. And who knows what kind of things he's shoved up and or put in his own ass so what about this screw guy though seems a little unprofessional i didn't know very they were allowed to join un, in very unprofessional i mean is this guy's job the ball handler it, unless it was in the contract that way but i mean i'm sure if the roles were reversed and random camera guy just goes in and starts fondling the chick on the she would be pissed I mean, Listen, I, I would assume. To the listeners out there, if any of you work on in porn production and you know the answer to this, let us know. I mean, is it like a, a free-for-all? That's what it sounds like. Like, seriously. Because if it is, that could be kind of awesome. <laughs> and, it, and it could also not be kind of right? awesome. Right? <laughs> so, scene seven continued. The wife directs everyone into the sitting area. They're going to have dessert. Cheryl and Larry are alone at the dining table. Cheryl. I want to go home now, Larry. Maybe we can stop and pick up some Tabasco. Cheryl, do you think this is funny, Larry? I don't think you're funny. I don't think this is funny. I don't care what you tell these people. We need to go. Larry goes to retrieve Cheryl's coat and purse, and he accidentally knocks a glass lamp over. It breaks, broken glass everywhere. Larry, oh shit, I'm so sorry. Melanie, everyone sit down. There's glass on the floor. No, no one move. Doesn't affect you, does it? The glass on the floor, because you're wearing your fucking shoes in my house. When you walk through my door, you play by my rules. You take off your fucking shoes. You and your fucking little soccer shoes in my house. So, Ray, Gil must be married for at least two years now. This bitch is Hitler, no? Yes, she is. Very much so. Because he's just sitting back going, I can just picture it. I don't know what to, you know, he's just shrugging his shoulders the whole time. This, I mean, the whole room, everyone is uh, silent. I mean, she, this is, I, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't feel sorry for Larry except for this girl. <laughs> exactly. She's, she, she could be a Kamehameha bitch, which is the <laughs> biggest bitch you could possibly be. <laughs> She's got house rules and. Uh, and she wants you to abide by them in a mean way. Yeah. It was an accident. You it know, was. He didn't mean to knock this lamp over. And house rules, you know, if you have a dog or something, don't feed the dog table scraps. You know, you, you kind of get yeah. that stuff, but yeah. not like, you're in my house, I rule this, you do yeah. exactly what I tell you to do That's or just else. like probably in an Emily Post etiquette book that you don't feed someone else's dog at the table. Right. Things like that. It's right. common. It's unwritten, unspoken rules for the most part. Right. 
but this, you know, and, and I agree with you on the shoes, but man, she's taking it to a next level. So poor Larry, my feet have a tendency to get a little chilly when I take my, Hitler says, get the coats. Larry, the coats are probably a good idea. Hitler calls him a psychotic. Get him out of the house. Larry, we're going to get mosing, mosing time. Cheryl agrees. Gil gives Cheryl thanks. Maybe it is best if you go now. Larry offers to pay for the lamp. Things are very awkward as they say goodbye. Larry and Cheryl exit the house and are walking towards their car. Larry knows that he's in the doghouse. Larry asks, what's the level of anger here? What am I dealing with? Cheryl, I'd say at least an eight, seven. Larry, that's not that bad. I thought it'd be like a nine. Cheryl, no, it was. It was up higher. Yeah, and then you broke that lamp and that crazy woman screamed at you and it got you some pity points. Larry, pity points? Fabulous, I love pity points. So how do I get to a seven? Cheryl, I don't know. Larry continues. I know I can't get a six. That's out of the question. But we could have a very decent ride home with a seven. Cheryl, you think so? Larry, yes, I do. I'll tell you what. If we ride home as a seven, as soon as we get home, you can go right back to an eight. Cheryl, all right, it's a deal. As long as I can go back. Larry, beautiful. Come on, we'll go home, okay? So, Ray, how about this smoothest from one Larry David? He has Cheryl smiling and sympathizing. That is really cool. I mean, Larry handled this like a pro. He even told her what to kind of think, like, so how do we get to, to a seven? I know we can't get to a six. Women don't like to be told what they know or what they don't know. So the fact that he said that and <laughs> and got her laughing about it, Larry is awesome. He has game. I thought so. I was very impressed. Scene eight continued. Larry realizes he never got his watch back from the personal trainer. Cheryl says to go in and get it. Larry says, you don't, you dude, don't send me back in there. Larry, I, I don't want to do a double goodbye. I've already said goodbye under the worst circumstances. You want me to go and do the, the double goodbye? Yeah, I do, Cheryl replies. Larry, I gave that to you as an anniversary gift. Larry, I'll call Gil and he'll have the train will send it to him. Cheryl, that is idiotic. We are here. Just go in. It'll take three minutes. Larry, it's so awkward. Cheryl, I'm not leaving here without the watch. Larry, I gotta take my shoes off now. The solar tempo curb theme plays a little as Larry walks back towards the front door. Ray, leave and send for the watch or do the awkward double goodbye. Shoes on or off too this time. Well, I'm broke, so I probably would go get the watch back, especially if it was an expensive watch. However, in Larry's case, he has all kinds of money. I would try to convince my wife I would just get a new a new one because I already broke their lamp. Even if it's a, you know, $500 watch, $500 lamp, that kind of evens out. You know, unless it's like a $6,000 watch. I mean, the value of this watch is key as far as money goes. But if I was super rich after all that is what happened. Yeah, but what if Diane bought you this as an anniversary gift? She already said, I'm not leaving without this watch. That's what Cheryl said. Well, as every married guy knows... She just put her foot down. Yes. <laughs> Once the foot's been down, you have no choice but to put your head down and go get the watch back. And do you take your shoes off? Shoes on or off? That's tough. I mean, you gotta face you gotta face Hitler. She's in there. I would take them off because my my wife's already mad. She's already gonna be mad. At least she'll be a tiny bit happy, at least if you took your shoes off. Even if your feet got cold for a second. Right. So Larry, he's, Larry has to walk back in and retrieve the shoes. And he does take his shoes off. And I love this part. 
So Hitler's cleaning up the mess Larry made. And Larry looks down at the broken glass and says, geez, what a mess. He gets the watch, says goodbye again. When he gets outside, he's putting his shoes back on and he falls against the door. Gil thinks he knocked and Larry has to tell him he didn't. Just more awkwardness. Gil gives Larry better directions and says, take a right at the barn. The Davids finally get to leave and try to end their horrible night. Scene nine. Larry's driving them home looking for the right turn at the barn. Is that a barn? Think it was too small for a barn. Like more, more like a stable. There was a cow there. Does that mean what? That it could have been a barn? There's no cows in barns. There are cows on a farm. Are there always far, uh, are there always barns on farms? There's stables on farms, right? Not necessarily barns. I don't think that was the barn. I think we made the wrong turn. Cheryl looks like she is at a nine. And scene nine ends. Ray, when you get lost, doesn't that ruin the night? It's hard to recover from that, especially if you're lost for half an hour. Ten minutes seems like an hour. It ruins the entire night, especially since you, I think you're agitated you can't find any place. Your wife is agitated because she's lost. And when two people are agitated in the front seat of a car, anything, it's like a powder keg. One little thing is going to set the whole thing off. And Cheryl's at a nine at this point. If he said anything remotely bad, she is going to kill him in the car. <laughs> In the barn or stable, wherever, you know, wherever it takes, church is going to kill him. So scene 10, next day, Larry arrives at Jeff's house. It is now time to retrieve the porn stash. Larry's being a good friend, Ray. Great friend. Everyone needs a friend like this. At least yes. one. So Larry unlocks the door. He's got his paper ready with the alarm code. Larry isn't sure which way the paper should be turned. One way the code is 9988 and the other is 8866. Ray, which is it? Is it 9988 or 8866? It's 9988. Larry gets in. He's already in somewhat panic state. The alarm is beeping and he looks at the paper, flips it and enters the correct code 9988. He heads upstairs. He can hear Jeff's words in his mind. And in Jeff's voice, go up to my bedroom, to the left of the TV. There's a cabinet by the bookcase there. Open it up. Move the linens, move them to the side, push on the back door. Inside there, I have my porn collection. <laughs> Larry looks at the collection, and lo and behold, there is Porno Gill on one of the covers. Are you kidding me? Next thing you know, Larry's watching it while sitting on Jeff and Susie's bed. Oh my god. That gosh. cheesy porn music is playing, bad quality video. It's called Motel Dick, starring Gil Bang. Porn girl. Who is it? Gilbang. Hotel security, ma'am, open up. Porn girl. Thank God you're here. There's a prowler outside. I'm really scared. I can hear noises. Gilbang. Take it easy. Sit down. Listen, we've had some reports of prowlers in the area. What the hell was that? Come out of there with your hands up. Another girl comes out of the bathroom. Gilbang. Put your hands out. Porn girl. It's okay. It's my girlfriend. Gilbang, look safe. I'm going to go back to the hotel. Porn girl, you can't leave us. Gilbang, but there's other people. Porn girl, there's a prowler outside. You can't leave us. The girls pull Gilbang into bed. And an all right and a yeah. Gilbang, come on. Yeah, you caught security. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's parents enter the room. They have their suitcases. They're ev evidently come to visit their son while he's going through this health ordeal. Jeff's mom, oh my God. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Larry looks surprised for a second and then smiles and acts very casual. Larry, hi. That's a friend of mine. Guilty, Lander. 
I had dinner at his house yesterday. Then we hear bang. You like that. And the curb music plays. The end. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ray, <laughs> how do you like how Larry handled this situation? I thought he handled it well. He uh, he, he did handle it well because he was actually doing the right thing. He was being calm because he was like, you know, freaking out, you know, moving sheets and standing up, being all scared. It makes you look very guilty. <laughs> but he was just like, oh yeah, what you did with this guy? He's a great friend of mine. He's awesome. He and he played wasn't it very lying. well. Yeah, I mean that's really what happened. Hey, I just had dinner with this guy's house. You're 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 in the house. I mean, would you play that tape? Would you put that tape in at that moment? Hell to the no. <laughs> You'd get the hell. You're gonna finish your mission. Finish your mission and get the hell out of there. Period. <laughs> like that's really ballsy for him to go. Oh, this is but video. I mean, in fact, if I saw a video one of my friends was in, let's just say I was hoping friend A get rid of his porn stash, let's, <laughs> and let's just say I saw friend B. Kill bang on the cover, I would take it and put it in my trunk and go, man, I need to watch this. Probably drive home and watch it. Because you watch a porn at your house isn't as bad being caught by your wife. I mean, it's pretty bad, but at least, I mean, you know. And Larry's defense, he never dreamed that that just parents were gonna come oh, rolling in. The parents are are the worst. Cause so they'll, they'll, he, they'll never for, for, they'll never forget oh, that. He's just he's really racking it up with these parents. I mean he's he called his wife Hitler and and he and he left the man's house without seeing his kid. And he's watching porno in their master bedroom. Yeah. While their well, son Jeff is in the hospital for a possible heart attack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. So well, I take that back. I'm sure it could be. Yo, yeah. So to finish my story, I did do this request for this friend. And I entered the garage code, and I can just about hear him telling me all this. The keyboard's in the living room, on the end table, second shelf down. So, Think, yeah. is your heart beating out of your chest right now? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I don't have a lot of time. There was drive time, and it's like, uh, and, and, and what do I, you know, it's like, you don't want to think about what you say if you do get caught, but you're, it's kind of going through your mind, you know? Were you wearing a normal clothes or did you put on black pants and a black shirt? Normal clothes, I think. <laughs> which was a black pants and a dark shirt. Yes! <laughs> yes! I knew it. That was... And a mask. Teen Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know what I was wearing. I wasn't a goth guy. It but was a Nirvana shirt, it was, I bet. It was probably earth tone colors, darker. Yes. So then he says, then go to my room, boot up the computer, delete the folder. Whatever you do, don't look. Plausible deniability. Don't look. Don't look. Plausible deniability. This is all repeating in my head. I did not look. To this day, I have plausible deniability. <laughs> I do have a theory, though, to what was in that folder. Now, you know, I know you're, 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 it's easy to go to the worst possible thing, but I don't think it was the worst possible thing. This friend had a girlfriend and he had access to a camcorder. Uh oh. So I think it was something of that nature. Gil bang, plausible deniability. I put everything back as it was, but I did leave a note, so to speak. The monitor was dusty, really dusty. Yeah. And I wrote, wash me to let this friend know that I'd been there. Jeremy, you are a good friend. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give you props. To, Thank you. To do that, to get the garage code, and to cover your friend's back, because who the heck knows what was on that folder. And to this day, no one knows except for him. Yes. You, you just did one of the, 
the greatest things. And if you ever find this friend and he wants to come on the show and let us know what was in there, I would like to know. That would be... <laughs> Because now be good to hear his version of the story. I bet you <laughs> exactly. I bet you he remembers that like it was yesterday. I mean, just just to get his side, and you know, the the statutes of limitations are up. You guys, I'm you know, you're a grown ass man. He's a grown ass man. I'm sure. Right. Like it's pretty much funny yeah. now. And but. you know, to be fair, if it was what I think it was, that would have been pretty embarrassing for him if I'd seen it. You know, being his friend, but. His parents, if they found out, oh my god! Oh, gosh. I couldn't look at my parents ever again. Yeah, yeah. like I had, to, I had to leave this. Leave so I the can kind of see why he would be like, "Oh, that's gotta," because <laughs> I'm wondering what if there was a threat. Like we're gonna have that computer combed over, you know? And who was gonna do the combing? Like, like a forensic scientist. <laughs> Forensic specialist or something. I don't know. Again, I would like to hear how his parent, how, how he, this all he got came so about. scared that he yeah. had to get you yeah. to go over there covertly. I mean, he was always getting grounded. I don't even know how it came to this point, but they finally took the keyboard. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> You're a good friend. Yeah, but maybe he'll come on and tell his side of the story. That would be pretty funny. I'm sure he remembers. This is back in the Seinfeld days. So imagine me. So this was 90s then. Like yeah, this mid, was 90s. Mid-90s? Yeah, mid-90s. So the internet was just kind of getting hot and heavy then. Yeah, it's AOL days. Oh, Dial-up. Dial-up. Okay. And so, yeah. So, you know, going forward, I see this Curb episode. And when Jeff's in the hospital and he's explaining this to Larry, all that comes flooding back. I'm like, oh my gosh. Of course, there's the, what is it? Um, Was it Kids in the Hall, I believe? They had the service. You're going to die. They come in. They take your nudie magazines, your dirty magazines. They put a Bible in its place. And everybody, when they Which saw that, was like... service. Like, why that's yeah. not real, I don't know. In fact, I'll put a link up on our site. I'll put a link up to that clip of this Kids in the Hall, if that's what it is. And whatever, I'll find out for sure. I'll put that up there. People can go to our site and, and watch that. But I remember me and Todd and everyone was... That, that might have been where he got the idea. Like, well, who would I get if I needed somebody? It's cool that he thought of you. So, Ray, there may be a day that, you know, I'm in the hospital, got to have surgery or something. You may have to go to an airport locker of some sort. <laughs> Ray, there's good, there, there may be a day where I need a, a favor. That day may never come. <laughs> I would say, Ray, there may be a day where I, I will call upon you for a service. Right. And that day is today. <laughs> Well, well, vice versa. If something happens to me bad, you're gonna, I'm gonna pro program my phone to send an instant text. Yes, that'd be awesome. It just shoots yeah. it over to you, so you, you can. Uh, there's ways to do like emails and blogs like that, where it's like a time thing, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna be in anesthesia. They said recovery's this. If I don't come to, and within 24 hours, I'm gonna laughing. have this all send out to everybody. You should. <laughs> I'm talking garage codes, pass codes, phone unlock keys, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all there. Lock, yeah. lock boxes. Yeah. Unless that's just your whole life. You're done for then. I mean, it's just going to come out. Right. If you're, a, if you're a, a criminal, then that's fine. But if you have a hidden porn that you were in, in your teenager years, and it's in a lock box at a bank. Yeah. That's plausible. You can yeah. get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Ray you don't was... want your widow to find that. <laughs> yeah. I could see me getting into it for you. You know, I'm getting this stuff and it's like, oh my God, Ray was a super villain. I can't do all this shit. 
I can't cover all this up. Is this a gun? Yeah, it's like, uh, I guess I'm supposed to take over. <laughs> it's, I'm in, it's my operation now. It's like Tony Soprano or some shit. Well, I think that's the show. It was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Yes, it was. We will be back soon for episode four, The Bracelet. It's a good one. Tip your waiter and don't forget the captain. We'd really appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes. Let's say you only think we deserve three or four stars. Mm, throw in a pity star. A couple pity stars. Mm, why not? Don't like us but think others will? Lie to us. Five stars, we're great. And thank you for putting up with us. There you have it. That was Season 1, Episode 3 of the Curb Our Enthusiasm Podcast. If you have any comments or a story to share, email us at coepodcasts at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes or anywhere podcast feeds are available. You can follow us on Twitter at the COE Podcast. Like us on Facebook at Curb Podcast. Visit us at OuterZoneStudio.com. We hope you enjoyed listening. Please join us for the next episode, Episode 4, The Bracelet. If you like this version of Frolic, the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song, visit MuseScore.com. Look up user GBreen13. That's G-B-R-E-E-N-1-3.